And now, now the reason it'll be back is because there's something in place to stop men getting their dicks out. Why don't men just stop getting their dicks out? on bang on that's actually sounded really good that was in key <laughs> you sound surprised yeah no no you've got a good voice i'm not surprised at all that was great thank you um good to see you again yeah you too in Feeling... your brand new home i wonder what the acoustics are like in this home i think they're good i i think all acoustics are good wherever we are <laughs> And now that I know that Bruce Springsteen and Barack Obama have stolen our idea yes. of recording anywhere you damn well like, regardless of the uh, the, the sound quality, then yeah. I, I'm fine with it. It's brilliant. There's only one drink on this table, though. I will say that. that Disappointing. Is true, and it's not alcoholic. Yeah. Um, how's Norman going? Has he settled in well to the new abode? Yeah, he's doing well. There's a lot of trees, so there's lots of birds, and he can safely look at them without hurting them from the many windows. Is he doing in the house? that? He has been a little bit, I think he's just overwhelmed because there's just so much going on, but he's doing remarkably well. I'm very proud of him. Mm. He's a good little boy. Um, so we've been guiding him through. He's gotten a bit chonky. I think we've been giving him lots of treats. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I'm starting to think, is he ready for chonky cat yeah. on Instagram? But no, um, otherwise he's doing very, very oh, well. Oh, I love that. This cat is chonky. Check it out if you, <laughs> like, if you like a chonky cat. I know many Bang fam will be across it. Yeah. Um, hey, it was a big week this week oh. and I was sadly unable to attend because I was on air, but the March for Justice on Monday, 100,000 people nationwide um, at rallies in Canberra and across the country. You went, didn't you? Yep, I did. I went to the Melbourne one and I'm really glad I did. Uh, there were a couple of thousand people, hard to tell. I can never, I can never see in front of me in those sort of things. So, you know, I don't You're small know. of stature. Exactly. I'm very small. So I have to put my phone up and even then it's not a very good shot to kind of get a, get an idea. Of... It's like this little periscope. It is. Just it trying is to make your way through the world. Boing, 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 I'm here. Um, but um, it was really great and it felt to me like there were women from all walks of life at the march. They were older, they were younger. It was it was rather an extraordinary but also pretty sad. Like I felt quite sad and angry. Mm. Um, I think you would have seen my Instagram. I put up a photo of someone holding up a cardboard box sign, like level of effort, so <laughs> low it was ridiculous because, I mean, really, why put effort into this? Because it said, I can't believe we are still protesting this shit. Yeah. Um, you know, it's like I'm not even going to put effort into a sign because it's just so, again, exhausting. But, um, it, look, it was also motivating Hearing That's what I'm wondering because I, I I did sort of think I felt the same but I wasn't there so I didn't want to speak to that. But mm. that feeling of exhaustion and frustration and just just so sick of this and just thinking, what mm. yeah, what's the point? And I don't want to have that resignation. But on the ground, did you feel as though there was a groundswell? Like it was, it was at all different this time? Yeah, look, I, I still feel rather frustrated about what we need to do next and that was addressed as part of the speeches. Loads of great speakers, Jamila Rizvi, Will Strake, who was a, a, who's a union rep, Hong Trong, who is a member of the Greens. There's, there was loads of people. Um, Marcella Brissett was the MC, former Liberal MP Julia Banks. So people from all across the political mm. spectrum spoke on the day and, and there was a lot of anger and there was a lot of frustration and some discussion of what to do moving forward. But I think that's all of our frustration still. What do we do next? How is this going to improve? 
And um, I think aside from really starting to make our voices heard in Parliament, that is the only way these laws are going to change. Our presence needs to be felt in a stronger way. But the problem is, as women, we're probably terrified of running for Parliament because of the abuse that you would cop. I would do it if I didn't have a history <laughs> of a life history, you know, and could cope with the abuse. If Google's going the wrong way. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, like I've lived a full life and, yeah. you know. At you a certain point though, I truly think that that's not going to matter anymore. I, I do believe I hope that. so. I hope so. And that will hopefully open the door for more women to be in positions of power. And also I think the dismantling of, um, and, and we've noticed this uh, more recently, the dismantling of the prejudice and the that exists from people who get to go to, you know, the right schools and end up at the right universities and end up representing us in halls of power, Mm. you know. That's a very small minority, really, who are leading a country and that has to change. That's where the system is broken. There's, I read a really interesting piece, which I want to talk about later, talking about how, you know, what happens next on a political level. But mm. that thing that you speak to about who represents us, certainly from a perspective of watching it all play out on the news, the people that I saw speaking or just represented on the news that the news channels chose to speak to were predominantly white cis yeah. women. Was it an intersectional rally? Because this is something that I think is well, in increasingly and rightfully needs to be addressed that there is feminism and then there is intersectional feminism Mm. and we need to bring everyone along for the ride if we're going to actually tackle this huge nuanced ecosystem of inequality. Yeah, well that was one of the main criticisms of the march at the beginning but I think they very swiftly opened their ears, heard what people were saying and incorporated people from all walks of life into the speeches. Um, Sue Ann Hunter, who is a Wurundjeri woman, from she's at the Secretariat of National Aboriginal and Islander Childcare and also the co-chair of Family Matters. She spoke and her when she spoke it was just full on, like acknowledge and asked us all there to acknowledge the fact that while we are dealing with this now, First Nations women have been dealing with this since colonisation and we haven't gone along with them. Mm. We haven't supported them. I mean, you think or been, about... Or been outraged. Or when, been as outraged yeah. as when, say, it happens to a white woman. Yeah. And she, she was saying to the whole crowd and the whole crowd just absolutely took it on board, I, I feel. I don't think this was a moment of criticism of anyone. Um, I'm... She said that white women needed to take our cause with you. So while we're doing this, think back. I mean, when you think about how uh, First Nations women have been treated, more First Nations women die in custody than Uh, non-Indigenous. The numbers are just one in three First Nations women are more likely to be raped and the numbers in general are one in ten. It's just the system is stacked against them. When they go to the police, that system is already full of racism um, structurally. So they fear going to the police for fear of losing their families. Like it's a, it's a, a horrific situation for them. And Sue Ann Hunter, she was just calling for all of us to acknowledge that as well. You showed me an article that speaks to that as well. It is a, a stark and shocking article that was published in Junkie by Carissa Lee. It was titled, Don't Forget Indigenous Women When You're Marching for Justice. Mm. And it lists some of those shocking statistics, which, you know, you might think that you know some of the information around this, but I was 
quite blown away by some of the statistics. It's it's a stark read. Yeah. Um, there are warnings around this read too because it's hard to to sort of uh, read some of these stories. Um, so a heads up if, if that's something that is, you know, challenging for you. But, yeah, it has that questioning, Carissa, questions, you know, in a fr- very frustrated tone when violence happens to black Australian women, why is this same level of outrage mm. n- not there? And It's, it's because it's been normalised in the past. I mean, think about when women got the right to vote. Aboriginal women didn't get the right to vote. Reproduction rights of... Aboriginal women in Australia were taken away, you know, their children were taken away. Mm. I saw Carly Finlay talking a lot about this. She's a great advocate for um, disability uh, in Australia and discussions around inclusiveness of, um, uh, you know, not able-bodied Australians, disabled Australians uh, in every way. She... There's there's voices that you haven't always heard, you know. Mm. So, to me, that suggests that the conversation is opening up and... Um, it is shifting that we we understand that these are these are groups and a broad spectrum of Australians that need to be included in all levels, yeah, particularly the highest levels of discussion around feminism and how you know there's going to be generational change. And I think it's really difficult, you know, I mean, to also acknowledge within us that as white women, we have benefited from our version of feminism in the ways that other women who, uh, from minority groups perhaps have not. And it's not a, one of the things that Carissa says, I think, which has really um, struck a chord with me is it's not like, okay, we've got it worse than you. It's not this pitting of people against yeah. who who has it worse off. It's just an understanding, again, I keep on talking about this, this, this nuance, this ecology. It's not just about the people, the broad spectrum of people who are involved in, um, you know, in experiences of, of sexism of you know victims of sexual assault but it's also the ecosystem that's that feeds into that it's about poverty it's about able able-bodiedness it's about mm. it's about everything every facet of life yeah. whether it's quote-unquote sexualized or not and how that how that feeds into the abuse of a person you know that's why it's so hard yeah. and that's why people often kind of throw their hands up in the air people in positions of power and think that they can have um, a bill or a policy or an app to mm. solve something. Oh, the consent app. That's just come through this <laughs> and morning. And it's just not and that easy yeah. and that's hard but that's the whole point. Like it is so nuanced and you've got to change things from the ground level up. Yeah. I mean, there From needs, the patriarchal level up. Yeah, there needs to be new ways of policing uh, if it, when it comes to sexual assault. There needs to be whole new systems put in place to deal with the fact that this is a really complex thing to explore and it's a really complex thing for the people and the parties involved and it needs to be dealt with with sensitivity and care and victims need to be believed and I think we still live in a culture where victims are essentially not believed. First and foremost, the first point is to say victims are not believed because the court systems are so difficult to get a ruling in the positive for a victim that people just immediately assume that that well, it mustn't have been true, but it it doesn't explain why the court systems are so difficult and it's so impossible almost for... I mean, I remember Brie Lee's book, mm. um, how impossible it is for women to get any kind of sexual assault win. It's just... It's stacked against us. Yeah. Today is also Close the Gap Day. I wanted to mention that. I'm not sure if you're aware. It's the third Thursday of every March. 
This is a day, if you don't know it, which is marked to send the government a clear message that Australians value health equality as a fundamental right for all. It's very much about closing the gap of um, First Nations Australians and non-Indigenous Australians and the massive disparity um, between life life expectancy and general good health. And I think that this is a reminder that when any of these conversations come about, that Indigenous Australians are too often left out and left behind and that policy and plans and royal commissions are all good, but you actually have to implement change. Yep. So what's next on all of this? You shared another great piece from The Guardian about solutions. We like solutions. We like solutions, but they still feel a little bit vague to me. Yeah. Still feels a little bit not actually getting to the point, which is we need to educate men better on things like consent and teach them that not to rape. And there's a lot of things that need to be dealt with in terms of what is masculinity, I think, in this country. Before we can even move forward in the most basic of of ways. But yeah, this article's great. It says much of what we've been talking about now... um, Uh, safeguard at-risk groups, including Indigenous, disabled and trans women. Um, Everyone will benefit from that. Similar to what Sue Ann Hunter said at the march, um, one of the recommendations is we need to make sure everyone is brought along. That also means that we need to make sure that we take others' stories with us when we fight Mm. for one particular thing, not just our own, but look more broadly. I like that too. The Guardian piece also talked about how the the Me Too movement, um, hashtag Me Too movement, had led to policy change overseas, but that really hadn't happened in Australia Mm. so much. And to that point, um, there was a really interesting piece in the conversation yesterday as well, which was very much focused on the political conversation and what you can do on that level. Um, And its title was, the Women's March was a huge success, now comes the hard part, how to actually get something done. And it just kind of acknowledged the fickle nature of the news cycle, which is that something else will happen in three to five days and then we'll probably move on. But it also acknowledged Scott Morrison's tactic of stonewalling, of basically just holding his ground, not budging, maintaining Christian Porter's innocence, maintaining the, the rule of law and that there would be no further exploration. However, that works in the system that has clearly failed um, several women within Parliament House and kind of hoping that it all goes away. Mm. And this article basically said, how do you ensure that it doesn't go away, that there's real change? You have to keep your foot on the pedal. And that is obviously, again, frustratingly, exhaustingly, but in reality, up to us. So how do we keep the foot on the pedal? We all come together and we keep the pressure on. We're the only people who can do it. And when I say we, I mean everyone. I don't mean just women. Hey, did you see that Elliot Page has become the first trans man to grace the cover of Time magazine this yeah. week? Amazing. What a moment. Thank you for sending that to me. Oh, it was on so Instagram. good. I saw it um, actually, um, Jamie Lee Curtis, who I follow on Instagram, just reposted the post from the photographer who actually took the photo. And that's how I found out the photographer is also a trans man, Wynne Neely, which I like that they have employed a trans man to tell this pictorial story of, of Elliot Page as well. This is the first interview that Elliot has given since coming out as transgender and non-binary. Um, the pronouns for Elliot are he, they, that's mm. why I'm saying he, um, he's been public about that. Yep. And he acknowledges his privilege, but also um, I think that the fact that I saw Jamie Lee Curtis share it and that it's on Time magazine and Elliot is using that platform to tell his story, 
it's the, the reality is that Elliot does have a platform. Mm. He's recently become one of the most famous transgender people in the world and he can then share his story, which is so many other people's stories of those who don't have a voice. Yeah. And it's it's really interesting because the piece is well worth a read. I'll put it in the show notes. There, there are so many mistruths about, you know, transgender men and women and when you kind of read his story through our own gaze of Elliot's past for all the films and TV shows that we've seen him in and then him talking about what he was going through behind the scenes from way back, that gender dysphoria that he felt from way back, of hiding that and then of ultimately finding the confidence to come out and live truthfully. Mm. It's really something and yeah. that's the kind of empathy that I think that um, it goes a long way. Like Time magazine, I know it's old school but it's I still know. a really it's big deal. Like, it's, it's like it's in the, the sort of um, the National collection. Geographic. National Geographic, <laughs> Reader's Digest, which Reader's is the Digest. kind of the, the, the bottom end of it, and then you've got your Time magazine. Take like, that? No. <laughs> <laughs> but you know when you Oh, no, like, is it Time Out or Take That? What's it called? The oh, one with all that's the... That's Life. That's Life, sorry. No, take That was a boy band with shut, Robbie Williams. Shut up, I love that, Sly. <laughs> Where life. else would you find out about a... Uh, <laughs> A woman who murders her um, ten-timing boyfriend, and ne- also be able to do to... a great crossword. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's amazing, amazing. But yeah, so um, Time Magazine's in that canon. It's in that canon. It's sort of like that old school that you'd have at your nana's. You yeah. know, like when you go to your nana's, they'd be like other. You know, I never knew. Or who at bought... the doctor's and dentist's office. I never knew who bought Reader's Digest. Who did? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And but when I was younger, and that we didn't have the internet, and you get a flight, what would you get? You get Time Magazine just yeah. so you'd look like you were educated. Absolutely. It's you so know, true. like it was a massive signifier when you were getting older to show that I take an interest in world <laughs> issues. I love it. It's I a big it. deal. It's a big deal. We'll and put it I in look, the show I'd notes. I'd still buy Time Magazine if it wasn't for the internet. <laughs> <laughs> if it wasn't for the internet. That's a great new segment idea. Hey, we've got a fashion update. Oh, yes. Um, Yes, we got something from the reputable website of Nine Gag that I've (laughs) never heard of before. What is Nine? Okay, you just Googled it. I went deeper, which I'll I'll explain to you in a moment. Mm. But can I just say two words? Croc undies. Yeah, croc undies. (laughs) It's like, I mean, do we need to say anything more? Look, they're like a wrestling undie, really. I mean, I could see these on sumo wrestlers. It looks like a cricket box, you know, mm. the little protective wear crossed with a rubber nappy, I reckon. Yeah. That's the vibe. Yeah, and look, imagine how sweaty and stinky that would be. You think, you think crocs get on the stench? Imagine anything next to a, a testicle of that material. <laughs> It's not real though. This is not a oh, no. product of Crocs. What? It is real but not in the way that you think. So I did a bit of, um, oh, look, I'd call it investigative journalism. Did you? Oh, you I Googled. went a few more clicks into the Google. That is investigative journalism. Because frankly journalism, the link that you sent me was looked like it held viruses all the way through. It's like I didn't even know. Nine gag. Nine gag, whatever the hell that was. <laughs> um, this guy is quite amazing. His name's Matt Benedetto. Mm-hmm. He runs a website called Unnecessary Inventions oh. and I encourage you to go deep on his YouTube um, because he basically every week creates an unnecessary unnecessary invention. <laughs> he's made things like the croc undies. He's also made a baguette pack, which is a little string backpack that just holds a baguette. He oh, made I a, love that. You'll love this, a zipper turtleneck and you can, you know how you like you get those like hiking pants and you can zip yeah. off the bottom of them so they yeah. become shorts. You can zip off the turtleneck part of it. That's not unnecessary at all. That's necessary. <laughs> and um, stub stoppers, which are little mini yellow hard hats that you put on your big toes so you don't stub your toe. 
I think this is genius. I'm I'm getting on to Unnecessary Inventions YouTube channel now. It's pretty great. Oh, so good. Thank you. You can see a what I think is slightly Ooh. too long <laughs> video of him creating the croc undies as well. Oh my god, I love it. So good. Hey, you sent me a weird thing as well Ooh. this week. You've got an update on Chat roulette. I, I know. I mean, I, I only brought up chat roulette a couple of weeks ago, I think. Was that right? Is that right? It was far too recently. Far too recently. For it to come back again. It was like it, it, chat roulette was the original house party, yeah. I think, the app that everyone downloaded at the start of the pandemic and then Used once and then got the hell off it. Because we hated it. Because mm. it reminded me of chat roulette, which was awful. You'd get on there. I mean, it was fun initially. You'd get on there and you could just press a button and you'd get someone – Somewhere in the world, it was like a roulette wheel and they'd be on the other end of the line and it was hilarious. Until? Until <laughs> it just started being... Dicks. Yeah, dicks. <laughs> um, it became, uh, yeah, quite quite uh, perverse really. Um, and look, I, I, I probably would have enjoyed it for that for a bit but not if you actually <laughs> wanted any kind of real connection which is what the original intention was. Yeah. Now, it was invented in 2008, I think, or 2009 by a Russian a Russian guy. The intention was it would connect people, but because of the sexual behaviour that was going on there, the inappropriate behaviour, basically people have stopped using it completely. Mm. And with the use of AI, apparently they now have special programs installed to stop the exposing of the penis on the chat roulette. So I'm not sure if that applies to breasts as well or anything else, but I imagine it's mostly AI out to find penis. You know, this is just going to be people <laughs> trying to game the system though and see how far they can go and get away with it. Totally. Like as soon as you tell someone they can't do something, they will do everything in their power to try and beat the system. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Are you going to get back on chat roulette? Um, look, I'll give it a go. <laughs> of course I will. It was hilariously <laughs> fun. Like you'd end up – although there's been so many other social media platforms that have um, come up since. What was the one where you could go into different countries all the time? It was like a submarine. It had a submarine name. What? It, was, it wasn't long ago. Everyone was on it for a bit. What was it called? Oh, get out. Submarine? Get what? out. App that – um, went to different countries. <laughs> oh, God. There's too many things. I can oh. only withhold so much information. Oh, no. I can't even remember either. Oh, what was it called? Because my iPhone refused to download it again when I got a new one because it's over. Your called? iPhone's like, know me if I know better. Yeah, no, don't do that one. I really enjoyed that one, though. You could just get, you could just tune in to somebody in Russia or... Doing whatever they do on a normal daily basis. What was it called? No. Anyway, I can't remember. I've Googled it and I can't even find it. It's that old and I don't even know what I was talking about. Thank you, the internet. Yeah. Well, yeah. Chat roulette is back. Give it a go, apparently. Uh, <laughs> Periscope. <laughs> you even said submarine. How did we not know Periscope? <laughs> Oh, my God. I don't know. What was that about? <laughs> what, what, what were we talking about? What are you banging on about this week? Oh, mine's just a cute one. And, look, I have to say that um, it's a little bit of nepotism here because my brother did the music kit. He does fabulous music for television he really shows. Does. Um, Fisk, Kitty Flanagan's oh, new yeah. show that was on the ABC last night. Just really cute, really fun. Quite um, 
understated, which I think is nice. It's not it's not going for, you know, bang, 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 gags all the time in her way that, that, that she is, you know, there's a lot of sort of dark, subtle humour in there. And I, I just really enjoyed it. It was it was really... Yeah, it was a, it was just really kind of joyful in a in a dark way because you know the stories are never great. Like Kitty Flanagan's character is has been sacked from a previous law organisation because she abused a, a customer. Um, you know stuff like that. So it's it's not you know super super gorgeous happy fun stuff. It's quite dark in parts, but I loved it. Real, yeah, real, awesome. ABC and on iView, I'm assuming. Oh uh, yes. Yes, as if it's not on IV. I know. Imagine if they went, yeah, it's on the internet. <laughs> Maybe even on Periscope if you download that. <laughs> um, what are you banging on about? Uh, I'm banging on about a, a, funnily enough, a dark comedy as well. But it's a dark comedy about euthanasia. So oh. very dark. Very dark. Very dark. Uh, it's on Foxtel. It's called The End. I will say it's not for everyone. Mm. Um, a warning if this sort of stuff doesn't um, sit well with you. I think that it's a conversation that a lot of people are keen to have though. Mm. I talk with my mum a lot about it. I spoke yeah. with my mum a lot about it around the the last few years of her parents' life. I think that it's something that as you see um, your parents or loved ones age, it's something that becomes more to the fore for some people. So it is a great series that stars Frances O'Connor, um, English-Australian actor. Oh, yeah. You know Frances O'Connor, yeah. right? Yeah. She's awesome. And British actor Harriet Walter, who's been in The Crown and a bunch of other things. As soon as you see her, you'd recognise her. And they star as a mother and daughter, Edie and Kate. Now, the series opens, literally, opening scene with Edie trying to kill herself. Oh, God. She fails. Kate brings her over to the Gold Coast where she lives now. And Kate's job is as a palliative care doctor. Her job is literally to help people towards the end of their life, but also not encourage or endorse euthanasia. Yep. So herein lies the dichotomy. Um, she sets Edie up in this really gaudy upmarket retirement village, which you would love on oh, the Gold I'm Coast. Already. And this is where the story begins. Now there's lots going on. There's a lot of little side stories as well and maybe it gets a little bit too busy, but then there's fantastic through lines like Kate has a trans son who's going through his own mental health challenges. She's got an estranged husband in jail uh, played by Brendan Cowell who's brilliant. Um, he's in jail for corporate crimes and um, and she's got a really tricky work situation um, with a an interesting boss who's a bit of a Lothario, played, of course, by Alex Dimitriadis, who I always love oh, watching love on screen. And Noni Hazelhurst is in it too. Oh, my God. She's like, there's an amazing cast. Mom. She's so good and she plays this rebel, nudist rebel in the oh, retirement village more. who's, you know, in, <laughs> a, in a world of... My future. Totally. Like she's you in a world of white slacks and updos. Um, so I'll also have the white slacks and updos, let that be said. <laughs> you you oh, have a foot in nude. each world and that's why I love you. Updo and nude. But you know when... You know, black comedy is, is succeeds so well because comedy can often go where drama um, can't. Like it, mm. can, it can provide that release when you are talking about heavy subjects. And this is obviously a really heavy subject, you know, this conversation yeah. around euthanasia. very dark. Around the right to die. It's, it's, um, it's a nuanced conversation. It's still really taboo in Australia. Remember Andrew Denton did that great podcast oh, series yeah. about it a couple of years ago, which I found fascinating because he was frustrated about the fact that we're not having these conversations. And the fact is that many people would like to have control over the end of their life, particularly when they're in pain or um, have a terminal illness and they want to leave on their own terms. Absolutely. So 
I just I, I love this series. It's it's something that I think, you know, Foxtel is obviously pay TV, not everyone has it, even though everyone does streaming services now. Um, but if you've got access to it, I think it's probably on binge, binge. as well. It's worth a look, the okay. end. Half an hour episodes, fantastic cast. I'm going to watch that because I need a new show. I think you'd like it. And it's also set in the Gold Coast. Oh, and um, yeah. I know how much you love the Versace Hotel. Exactly. So. <laughs> it's Zan, it's Versace. <laughs> it's not really, is it? No. <laughs> That's from the classic movie Showgirls. It's Versace. Amazing. When they ask her about her dress, it's so good. Uh, let me know what you think of it anyway. I think okay. I like it. Unreal. Oh, man. All right. Um, love the new digs. Thank you. Welcome. Thank you. You're my sage stick. <laughs> I'll just burn me. Carry you through, bring the good myth energy. <laughs> Little steam rising off your head. <laughs> I love it. I'll see you next week. See ya. Hang on. It's like an image of me carrying you through. It was like (laughs) just fart in every room for you.